So this past week, we had uh, what we called staffs giving. You've probably heard of friends giving. Um, we had staffs giving on Monday. And it came to my attention later that, than I expected that the location for staffs giving was going to be my house, um, where me and Father Tim live. And I've been meaning for a little while to clean the house. And I was like, well, it's actually a good thing. It probably motivate me to, to clean. Okay, so I was going to clean the spaces that people were going to be in from our staff, like the living room, the dining room, the kitchen. And I started just cleaning up and, and getting things ready. I budgeted a certain amount of time in the afternoon before people were coming over. But then it kind of motivated me because I was like, well, I'm, I'm cleaning. I got the vacuum out. I might as well go vacuum my room. Uh, I've got the cleaning stuff. I might as well clean my bathroom. These are things that I should have done a few days ago or weeks ago. Uh, but there's something about that momentum that maybe you've felt when you just start doing things that you've been putting off, particularly uh, in preparation for guests. You know, like you're kind of content to live in your own squalor as long as no one else sees it. But then once you realize like somebody's coming over, there's this motivation to, to prepare. And it's actually fun, or not fun, but like gratifying. It's not just drudgery because there's some joy waiting. It's like, oh, I'm preparing my house to share some time with people, some, some festivity, some gladness. Contrast that with procrastination. Procrastination is not fun. And maybe it's coming up to finals week. You've experienced this semester a little bit of procrastination. I procrastinated a lot in school. Um, and to this day, we all procrastinate in some, in some way, but what it is basically is like, there's some big thing that I know I have to do eventually, but A, it seems really big and I don't even know where to start, and uh, it's, it's hard and it's not really fun to do and there's other things I'd rather be doing. And those two things can keep us doing stuff we know we shouldn't do or, or spending time doing things that don't really get us toward any end that we, we hope for. And this deadline just keeps looming and it becomes even harder to do because we have less time to do it and so it's more scary. And so we, we have this like coping mechanism of denial or hiding. Like I'm just going to not even think about that. I'm going to pretend that I don't have to do that. Um, but somewhere in the back of your mind it's just living. Like, ooh, you have to write that paper. Ooh, you got that test coming up. And yet you find time to watch YouTube or to scroll or to, to, to do whatever. Until finally, the pain is so great that you're just like, the fear of failure, the fear of not getting this done is so intense that I'm just going to get started. And then you finally get started. And it's like, okay, how did I pull an all-nighter? I haven't been able to even start studying all semester, and now I have all of this energy to do it. It's like fear, fear of failure. Uh, that is not a fun way to operate. It's not a fun way to exist. It reminds me of this story. Anne Lamott, an, uh, an author, wrote a book about writing she, and about writer's block. She called it Bird by Bird. Her parents were both writers. And there was one day when her brother came home from school. He was probably like seven or eight years old. And he had under both arms all of these books about birds. And he put them on the kitchen table and he just started to cry. And his dad, who was an author, came and sat down next to her brother and just said, what's going on, buddy? And he proceeded to explain that all year they had been told that they had to write a book report about birds. And 
that it was due tomorrow and he hadn't started. So he finally went to the library and got all the books he could and brought them home. And he just was like paralyzed with, with this fear of failure and sadness and disappointment in himself. And the father just put his arm around him and he goes, well, let's just go bird by bird. And they just started and took one little step at a time and eventually got maybe not the best book report on birds ever, but it was done, you know, and he did it piece by piece together with the father. And I think, to me, that story is so encouraging um, because I think the source of procrastination, why we put off doing the things we know we should do, you know, the changes we need to make in our lives, the things we need to clean up, the life decisions that are waiting to be finally made and committed to, um, this feeling we can have of being left behind sometimes, that everybody else has got it together and I don't, that sometimes the source of those fears and the paralyzing procrastination mode that we get in is because it's all or nothing. I have to solve it all right now. I have to know the answer to everything and be able to do it right now, or I might as well not start. And it's all up to me. I'm all alone. And that's just paralyzing. So no wonder we hide in denial and shame. But when the father comes and sits down at the table and says, let's go bird by bird, he's saying, you don't have to do it all right now. There's something, but there's, there's something you can do right now, and I'm here and I'll do it with you. That's very liberating and very hopeful. This Advent season is about preparation. We start this week, the first week of Advent, preparing for Christmas, preparing for the coming of the Lord. But we live in this tension, don't we, where the Lord has come and he is coming. And no more apparent is it than at the Mass when the Lord comes to us in the Eucharist and he's really present. We can be with Jesus right here and right now. We're never alone. He's always with us at our side. And he's coming. This Eucharist is not just the presence of Jesus, but it's the food he gives us for the journey to the promised land. As the Israelites ate the manna from heaven in the desert on their way to the land of milk and honey to Israel, so we, we eat this Eucharist, this flesh and blood of the Lord himself, as our strength to keep going, to meet him when he finally comes in all the glory. Okay, so the Lord has come and he is coming. So we need to not put off preparing ourselves for that coming. But we don't go off and prepare ourselves by ourselves. I think that's what gets really intimidating. When we feel stuck in our spiritual lives, we're stuck in habits, we can't seem to get ourselves to do what we know we should do, it's because we feel like this all-or-nothing loneliness. I can't do it all, so I might as well not do anything. And it's all up to me, and I don't even know how to start. But the Lord has come, and he's coming. He's here with me right here and right now. So don't say, I'll pray tomorrow. In the same amount of energy and breath, you could say, Lord, help me to pray. That itself is a prayer. And look, you're praying. You don't have to put off going to Jesus. Don't wait all year to bring the books home and tell your dad, ah, I don't know how to start. Right here, right now, let's just do it. Between you and Jesus. You can look at the crucifix or the tabernacle, or the baby in Joseph's arms, or better yet, 
in the inner chamber of your own heart where he lives with you. At any time, day or night, you can go to him. Right here and right now, just like that little kid, go to the table. Say, Jesus, I don't know where to start. You can just bring this big, complicated assignment of your life and just put it on the table. And whatever it is, this next thing, this next bird, to just listen to him. Don't try to do it yourself. Don't try to hide the fact that you've been putting it off from him. Just bring it to him. And then ask for the grace to do it with him, to do it together.